Gloria indeed, as it is our Central Division preview for this upcoming season. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Healthy Scratches Hockey, the podcast. As always, I'm Brendan. And I am Rook. And Gloria's a great song, and let's keep rolling. And it's great now that we're in the Central Division for the Blues. Got some news on the Blues, got some news on a former Blue, but before we get to any of that, perhaps the biggest news of the offseason besides a move is the news that the International Ice Hockey Federation, the IAHF, has suspended Yevgeny Kuznetsov for four years after Kuznetsov tested positive for cocaine. Um, If you remember back a few months ago, towards sometime in the playoffs, but I think it was sometime after the Capitals were eliminated, the initial video of him leaked on Twitter where he was in Vegas in the previous Stanley, after the previous Stanley Cup Finals, so in 2018 when the Caps won the Cup, and there was a picture of him, and in the background there was a picture of a table in the hotel room that he was in, and you could see several lines of what appeared to be cocaine. Kuznetsov issued a statement back at that time saying that he was just in the wrong time at the wrong place, but now it's shown to be a little bit more than that. Yeah, it's definitely a shame for Kuznetsov and for Russia, too, because he's definitely a key part of their hockey team. Um, four years seems like a long time, and it hopefully when those four years go by, that he will still be able to play competitively internationally, but we'll see. Yeah, you really hit the nail on the head, I think, with the international play. I mean, going forward for Russia, um, you assume that obviously a couple world championships coming up every year, um, assuming that the Capitals aren't eliminated by then in the playoffs. Um, but, you know, that could be a loss for them, especially, too, because in the world championships, you know, it's, it's big for the countries for, um, for where they're going to place in larger events like the Olympics or the World Cup. So that kind of stuff does matter. Um, and when you take away a player that talented from what could be um, a less than a not-so-talented Russian team, it hurts them. Um, and it also hurts for the World Cup of Hockey, assuming that that happens in 2020. Uh, it would be tough. I know the World Cup is an NHL event, but I, I, don't, I don't really know what the rules would be there. I would still think he wouldn't be allowed to play, but it is an NHL-sanctioned event. Right. I don't know if anyone's yeah. really talked about yeah. that yet. Yeah, I have no idea. Because um, last time it was all NHL rules, it was NHL referees, and it was conducted by the NHL in NHL stadiums. So I would almost think that Maybe it doesn't apply, but at the same time... Well, but Slava Voinov didn't play in that, and he was still banned from the league at that point. Correct. And Russia wasn't happy about that, so maybe the NHL withholds the IHF. It's kind of... It's it's a touchy subject because the IHF and the NHL don't really see eye-to-eye on many things. Um, for me personally, I mean, I don't... It's, it's crazy to me that he can get suspended for four years for cocaine. Slava Voinov doesn't get suspended at all when he beat his wife and then the IHF seemingly turned a blind eye to that um, of course the other thing is that it's very sad for him on an individual level that he does appear to have a drug problem he's a younger guy mm-hmm. younger in age and not only in his playing age but in his life so hopefully um, with the NHLPA and the substance abuse program that he has since entered into hopefully that turns out well for him and definitely hope for the best there for Danny. Um, so we have some other news. Um, positive, we'll, I guess we'll go right to the Pat Maroon news since it just happened. Uh, so the Tampa Bay Lightning have signed left-wing Patrick Maroon to a $900,000 deal for one year. Uh, it's, it's interesting to me because actually I've been meaning to bring this up and I was going to bring it up when we talked about the Blues, but it was really surprising to me that Patrick Maroon went this late into the summer and wasn't signed. And it's not just him. Like There's a lot of older UFAs. Justin Williams is still unsigned as far as we know. 
Um, although I have, I have a feeling that he's probably going to end up back with the Hurricanes. Right. But Williams unsigned, Joe Thornton's unsigned, Patrick Marlowe's unsigned. Three, those three guys especially I thought would have re-signed um, with teams by this point. So that's that's kind of interesting, but um, just a depth move for Tampa. Anything to add on that? Right. I well, with a nine hundred thousand dollar contract, it's kind of like low risk, high reward mm-hmm. because he's a guy that has that Stanley Cup experience now. Yeah. He's a gritty player. Tampa doesn't usually have those gritty players, so it's nice add for them, like a third, fourth liner. Um, maybe get some playing time with the young guys, kind of teach them the game a little bit. Yeah, some good experience, depth. Obviously, as you said, cup winning experience. I think the Lightning were probably. Um, they weren't too happy to lose Callahan's voice in the room. I know that definitely hurt what they wanted to do. So maybe Patrick Maroon isn't exactly the same kind of leader as Callahan, but I think that kind of helps out. Uh, looking elsewhere around the league, staying in the Atlantic Division at least, as far as news is concerned, Mitch Marner don't want to stay on it for too long. Uh, but the possibility has since come up that he may go to Europe and play with the Zurich Lions, which if you remember is where Austin Matthews played mm-hmm. in his last year before he was drafted. Uh, so it's, it kind of sounds like the Leafs and him might be close on a short-term deal. Maybe not. We don't want to spend too much time on it. Uh, I, don't, I don't think there's really anything else to add on that. No. Uh, again, staying in the Atlantic, uh, the Ottawa Senators re-signed Colin White, who's an RFA, to a six-year deal. Um, kind of surprising, but given that it's the Senators and they're giving a guy a six-year deal worth $28.5 million, which is 4.75 AAV. So uh, if you look at his stats last year, he 41 points in 71 games. He was fifth among rookies. So they're betting on him, and he's betting on himself with a deal like that. Yeah, I think it's a decent deal for them. Um, 4.75 AV isn't that bad, especially if this guy could pan out in, let's say, two, three, four years. And especially since they, don't, they have lots of cap room. Exactly. Um, they need to spend the money. This is a good guy to spend it on, and hopefully they can build around him and definitely win some games next year. Yeah, I think this... Uh, Maybe appeases the fan base a little bit that they finally re-signed someone to a long-term deal instead of dealing them like Mark Stone or like Eric Carlson. Uh, it's the longest contract that the Senators have signed since they signed Bobby Ryan <laughs> many years ago, which didn't really pan out for them, so hopefully the Colin White deal goes a little differently. And it wasn't even Pierre Dorian who was behind or who was the GM at the time. It was the late Brian Murray, so things have definitely changed in Ottawa. Uh, moving around again. We'll go to the New York Islanders, who also re-signed an RFA and Josh Hosang. But I think the bigger news coming out of New York is that the Islanders brought in UFA Derek Broussard, probably going to fill the third center role that was left vacant when the Islanders let Valtteri Filippola go, who signed with Detroit. Uh, Broussard is probably looking to bounce back after last year. I'm definitely looking to bounce back. He had a poor yeah. year last year between three teams, Pittsburgh, Florida, and Colorado. Uh, just your thoughts on his fit with the Islanders. I think I think he'll have a good. I think he's a good fit for him. Um, that team they definitely struggle with their center depth, so, so adding him kind of helps them out. Um, another guy playoff experience. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I think it's a good add. Um, definitely interested interested to see how far this goes if they like end up dealing him. But I don't know. Yeah, it's it's interesting. Um, I mean, you figure maybe he could be a guy who gets you forty to fifty points as a third line C which is basically what you're looking for. I mean, Valtteri Filippola had, I think, 17 goals last year in that third-line role, so I think they're just hoping for something along the lines of that. I mean, really anything, I think at the end of the day it's good because it bumps Casey Zizekas back down to the fourth-line role as center, so you don't really have that kind of jump up and play for Zizekas. Um, the last little bit of news that we'll touch on, um, well, we'll mention, we won't really touch on this week, 
is that Jim Benning resigned, was resigned by the Canucks to stay on as GM for three more years beyond his current contract. Uh, but we'll kind of save that for next week when yeah. we get to the uh, Pacific so, Division. Yeah. My bad earlier. I think I believe I said on the intro Atlantic Division. It's the Central <laughs> we're doing today. So another piece of news that comes out of the Central is with the Minnesota Wild, who bring on Bill Guerin as their new GM. Uh, looking forward for the Wild at, at their preview for this coming season. Uh, not a lot of changes in the offseason. They bring in Matt Zuccarello on a couple year couple years um, on his deal, and Ryan Hartman also comes in. Uh, just two forward ads for the team. Not really a lot changing there. Uh, for Minnesota, it's kind of basically more of the same for them. Um, I think with the GM change, what they're kind of looking to do, of course. Well, first of all, the whole GM situation was very weird. That Paul Fenton only got a little over a year behind the helm of the team, which is just so odd to me. Um, a lot of rumors about him not really scouting well. There was rumors about Victor Rask and that trade, how he basically didn't ever watch the player. Uh, but just your thoughts on what you hope Bill Guerin would be able to bring to the Wild. Uh, I hope he brings them some, some success. Um, he was very successful as a player. Um, so instilling some of that success he had as a player into their team, um, they'll need that. Um, I don't know. Just and I'd hope for him to make some more moves because they have some holes that we'll talk about in a little bit. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I, I thought it was a good signing for him. Mm-hmm. I, I thought it was good to bring him in and yeah. hire him. Um, yeah. Yeah, I think he's, I mean, more than anything, he's probably just looking to change the atmosphere and the culture around the team a little bit. I mean, this is a team that, since they were consistently making it to the second round and consistently being beat by the Blackhawks, uh, not really a lot has gone on since then in Minnesota. So... Just looking overall at their roster, figure you figure Matt Zuccarello is coming in to play top-line minutes um, with the kind of deal that they signed him to. They still have Jason Zucker, who at some point I think they would have to move. Um, there's been rumors of him being moved twice in the past in specific deals, and then his wife kind of said something on Twitter a few months ago. Um, so I think when it gets to the point where the player's family is kind of making a statement, um, it's time for a divorce to happen between the player and the team. Absolutely. Um, but overall, I mean, their forward group isn't really too impressive. They're kind of just betting on everybody to improve from within. You look at beyond – so their center depth is Eric Stahl getting older, um, Miko Koivu, who's obviously getting older. You have Joel Erickson Eck as a youngster playing fourth-line minutes probably for the team, and Luke Cunnan, who they've been kind of waiting on to see if he could step into anything. Um, overall, I mean, their four group, they don't, they don't have a superstar. They, no. kind of, they signed Zach Parise, obviously, many years back to be that. He hasn't been that um, injury-plagued, unfortunately. But just your thoughts on their overall roster. So the four group is definitely strong. Um, it's not – I wouldn't say it's above average. It's probably like average. Um, I like the additions of Fiala a couple years back mm-hmm. and Ryan Donato this year. Will he be that USA Mag- Team USA Magic he had a couple years ago and when yeah. he burst on the scene in Boston last year, but nothing really panned out there. Um, but I love their uh, defensive group, definitely their top two defensive pairings, mm-hmm. and Devin Dubnik's still a pretty strong goaltender. Yeah, the strength of this team is definitely on their ability to keep the puck out of their net. Um, if they're not scoring a lot, I mean, Jared Spurgeon is probably a guy who's really underrated in the league. You know, Ryan Suter's getting older, but he still plays a lot of solid minutes. And as you said, their their second deep pairing in Brodin and Dumba also very good. And yeah, Devin Dubnik still has a lot of good years left in him. At least it seems that way. He's played obviously very well since he came over to Minnesota. But for the Wild, I mean, safe to say, not a playoff team, right? I would I would agree to that. Um, I do hope that Zuccarello does pan out for him, especially mm-hmm. with them paying that much money. He's had a lot of success there in uh, New York. 
Um, so we'll see if he's able to carry that over into Minnesota. He's pretty much going to be their top guy. Um, so hopefully he pans out. Yeah, uh, beyond that, uh, I mean, for the Wild, again, it's kind of similar um, to the past few years. So if I mean, I don't really see – it would have to take another team, <laughs> a couple other teams in the Central to collapse for them to get in. Correct. Um, so moving on, we'll go to the only team north of the border in that division in the Winnipeg Jets. So the biggest news for the Jets remains that there is no news on the contract negotiations of Kyle Connor and Patrick Laine, who both remain unsigned, RFAs. Um, maybe we'll just dive a little bit into that situation before we look at their whole roster. Uh, so it's interesting that, I, obviously, that they're both unsigned, but I think, which one do you think hurts them more? Because when you look at Kyle Connor, he's a guy who plays on their top line a lot. Patrick Laine brings a lot more goal scoring, but... Kyle Connor brings a bit more consistency, right? I, I would say Kyle Connor on this on mm-hmm. this uh, debate. Um, Lainey's still a hell of a player. He's going to have a lot of success in this league as he's already proven. Scores a lot of goals, um, but I think with Connor being on that top line, you kind of have to get that done. Yeah, you can't hold that off. Um, so if they only had money for the two, which they, for one of the two, sorry, I'd say you have to go for Connor and give him something. Yeah, and like I don't, I don't really understand what the issue is with Patrick Laine. I mean, if you look at his stats last year, he scored like 18 goals or something crazy yeah. like that in November. And I mean, like there was obviously no way he was going to sustain that pace. But I don't think any of us expected that he would only score a combined three goals in the last two months of the regular season. Um, I, I almost wonder if it's a culture issue for Laine. Um, not necessarily the fact that he's European, but just in the locker room culture. You know, the Jets have a very tight knit group, and it kind of has to be that way. And you have to fit with the way that the leadership of the team wants you to fit in. And I don't, like when you look at players who aren't scoring, if you're a superstar and you're not scoring, you have to check the boxes. What else am I doing? Am I checking? Am I checking? Am I back checking? Am I doing well in faceoffs? I mean, it's easy to kind of look at a player and say, okay, well, he's not scoring, but he has a high faceoff percentage or he's killing penalties really well. But in Patrick Liney's case, he's not doing anything really beyond I mean he's a big body he can throw his body right. around but really besides goal scoring he hasn't done much else yeah that's pretty much the only thing about him that he has going and he's done very well at scoring goals but then again he had three goals in the last two months um so yeah I'm, I'm interested to see what they do with him um and I mean it's not something that can't be fixed right I mean the goal scoring is is the easy thing because he already oh, yeah. knows how to do it I mean, you can't teach goal scoring but you can teach you know do you want to back check or what what can you do in the neutral zone in this situation things like that i think that's where it hurts them and kyle connor hurts because i mean well obviously it hurts to not have both of them because when you take line a and connor out you're taking two of the top four wingers on the team out of the scenario and for the jets you know they didn't they only got worse on defense because truba is gone now um it's not a terrible situation for them on d but it's also not as good without truba being there um, if you remember Morrissey and Truba playing very well over the past few years, and Tyler Myers obviously leaving as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so their defense has been shaken up as well. I mean, assuming they don't come into the season with Connor and Line A on the wings in the forward group, you look at their D, you figure Josh Morrissey and Dustin Bufflin are probably going to play together. Beyond that, they're looking at some young guys. They're looking at Sammy Niku, they're looking at Tucker Pullman, and Neil Pionk comes in. I think Pionk maybe has a little bit more in his game than he's shown. I don't think he's as bad as people have given him credit for, but he's also not anything spectacular. Um, so if you're expecting a trooper replacement, you can't. Um, right. But overall, I mean, just what are your thoughts on on this team? Do you think they're, do you think they're a legit cup contender? 
I'd say no on cup contending. I'd say yes on playoffs. Um, the defense is going to be an issue going forward, mm-hmm. um, especially into the playoffs with just one decent defensive pairing. It's not even. It's not going to get it done. Um, and that forward group, if you go past that, those top two lines, it doesn't. Nothing really stands out with them anymore. Yeah. Um, I mean, Adam Lowry is still pretty good. Andrew Cop, like they got some good players back there, but it's not anything that wows you. Um, so yeah, I see them making the playoffs. I don't see them making a run for the cup. Do you see them maybe if they're in a similar situation over the past few years that they have been in in the pa- over the past few years where they've been kind of going into the playoffs and maybe feeling they need a little more? I mean, do you see them adding another two C? I mean, they did that with Paul Sassney. They did that with Kevin Hayes. Maybe they're looking for this year's version of that. I definitely can see that happening because um, something has to be done for them to get to that next level. So. I say they keep up the trend and add someone. Yeah, I think it's good to reward your players too, reward mm-hmm. your group, show them that you guys are playing well. Um, I mean, Brian Little, they obviously signed him to a long deal, so they expect him to perform at the second-line center role, but as we've seen, maybe they don't have faith in that in the playoffs, or maybe they're just you know, checking off all the boxes that they want to have insurance on players, make sure that they're all set. Um, so, yeah, I would agree with what you said. Jets are a playoff team, a cup contender. Let's wait and see. Let's wait and see if they get the RFAs resigned and see how well that they do overall. Yeah. Um, so moving on, we'll go to the Chicago Blackhawks. Chicago missed the playoffs last year, fired Joel Quenville, brought in Jeremy Colleton. Team didn't really perform well under Colleton until the second half, and they started to pick up with the pace a little bit. Um, they made a late push, but obviously didn't make it into the playoffs. So Chicago now, you look at them, still weak on defense. Goaltending is a question mark. Their forward group, though, definitely looks pretty good. Just your thoughts on their on their forwards going into so, this season? Yeah, four, I mean, that forward group is strong all the way down, um, one through four. I mean, they got some good players. And that fourth line, they got that gritty type that we like to see on a fourth line with Andrew Shaw and Ryan Carpenter on mm-hmm. the wings. Um, I, I think this is a strong team. Can they pull it together? Let's see. Um, and that defensive group is... It's it's they're gonna struggle. Brent Seabrook is kind of getting up there in age. Duncan Keith getting up there in age, and then goaltending. Corey Crawford is usually a question mark nowadays, and then Robin mm-hmm. Leonard as a backup could maybe prove to be helpful. Yeah, so I think um, just looking at things like specifically, like you said, so for group overall, I mean they hit a home run in getting Dylan Strom from Arizona last mm-hmm. year. He's played so well for them. Skating is still a question mark for him, no doubt. But I mean he's played really well in Chicago. Um, with Alex Debrinkit and Patrick Kane. Uh, again, you have Taves probably playing with Saad again. Um, Saad hasn't really worked out in his second world tenure with the Blackhawks, um, but maybe they hope the thing, I mean, they have to hope that things kind of change here going forward. Um, Taves didn't have an awful year last year, kind of like the addition. They get Andrew Shaw back after they rented him to Montreal for a few years, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, as you said, um, fourth line additions, Shaw, Carpenter, you know, depth guys. I think their forward group is still really strong. Um, but as as we touched on the defensive group, not so much. You know, Keith's getting older. We already know that. Seabrook is um, kind of wearing on fans at this point. I mean, you hate to see it too, because like these are guys who really compete hard and guys who are integral to their success. And I don't think it's necessarily their fault that they're being exposed, but they don't have they don't have enough depth around them to bring them Correct. up. So that's what hurts them. Um, Eric Gustafson didn't have a bad year last year, so I think they're kind of expecting him to continue. Um, they had trouble on the penalty kill last year, so they bring in Calvin DeHaan, they bring in Olimata, um, kind of try and solidify the penalty kill a little bit, keep themselves a little more stable in that area. Um, the goaltending, as you said, 
you know, Crawford for a while looked like he was going to be a really good goaltender. And, I mean, he still is, but unfortunately the injury issues that he's had with the concussions, vertigo, all these head injuries, which is very unfortunate because he's a talented guy. Um, so they bring in Robin Leonard, and you figure maybe now they're kind of pitting them against each other. Um, if Crawford can stay healthy this year, but if he's not being the Corey Crawford of old, then maybe they're ready to give the reins to Leonard and let Leonard take over things, if he plays well this year. Uh, yeah. yeah. Um, I think it's really good for Leonard, of course. Um, we all know how rough of a year he had last year. Um, well, before last year when he kind of rebuilt his career back up with the Islanders. So hopefully things go well for him. But um, So playoffs for the Blackhawks, safe to say no, safe to say yes. Yeah, I'm going to say no this year. Yeah. I think they're a team, again, it's kind of like Minnesota. It would have to take a couple teams in the Central to kind of collapse a little bit on them. Um, I think they do. They definitely have a better year than they did last year, but oh, yeah. I, I don't see them getting in. I think they'll be on the fringe. Yeah, more competitive, um, but it's just too deep in their division. Correct. Um, so we'll go to their arch rival and the team that has finally won the Stanley Cup, the team that has inspired the intro song for the past few weeks, the St. Louis Blues. So St. Louis coming off a Stanley Cup win. They pretty much keep the group together. Um, Patrick Maroon goes. They re-signed Jordan Bennington to a longer extension. Um, just what... I, th- I guess the question now is, can they repeat it? No. <laughs> um, basically, because I did not think this was a Stanley Cup team last year, and just something magical happened, Gloria. Um, so, yeah, um, I, I, I mean, besides James Schwartz and Vlad, I mean, Brayden Shen isn't, like, that great of a center, and he's, mm-hmm. he's 1C. Ron O'Reilly is still a great player. But he's not above average. Yeah. Um, and their defense is decent. Um, but I'm looking to see kind of what Jordan Bennington does in the second year. Is he going to have a yeah. sophomore slump? Now he played a hell of a lot last year. He had a great season. Um, so, yeah, what are your thoughts? Um, it's it's going to be interesting. I don't I don't see them winning the Stanley Cup again because, as you said, like everything kind of went right for them, mm-hmm. um, which is usually what it takes for teams to win the Stanley Cup. You and they at, didn't make many moves in the offseason, yeah. too. You look at the Caps the year before, I mean, everything just went right for them. And, I mean, that's what it takes. It takes a lot of luck to win, in addition to being skilled and in addition to being a good team, not to undersell the Blues. Um, but, as you said, I mean, their center depth is still – it's not – they don't have a stud um, they don't have a superstar. They have a star in Ryan O'Reilly. I think he's really mm-hmm. solid. He brings a really solid game to the table. And especially after the horrible seasons that he had in Buffalo yeah. preceding that. Um, so you have O'Reilly, Shen, Bozak. I think Bozak is a really underrated player, um, especially playing in the third-line center role. Uh, but, yeah, their forward group isn't awful. They're hoping for a little bit more out of Vladdy Tarasenko, Jaden Schwartz, guys like that. Um, overall, they're kind of relying on the youngsters to kind of step in, fill up a little bit. Robert Thomas... Um, Robbie Fabry, hopefully, um, and then a mix of veteran guys as well with guys like Alex Steen, David Perron, guys like that. Their defense is still really good as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so you look at, obviously, Alex Petrangelo stays, um, Carl Gunnarsson, Pareko, Bo Meester. I mean, this is still a solid team. This is Absolutely. still a playoff team. Absolutely. This is still a conference final like team mm-hmm. or a Stanley Cup final team. Um, yeah, their defense is probably one of the top three defenses in the league. Yeah. It's All very the way good. through. One, one through six, definitely. I think, again, as you kind of touched on it, it comes down to the goaltending for this team. If Bennington can't hold it together or at least sustain a long stretch of good hockey, I mean, he basically played really well for half the season mm-hmm. last year when he came up. Um, 
But if Bennington can't sustain this success, I mean, Jake Allen's not the answer. He's nope. had his chances. Yeah. He had, a, he had a few decent years, but he's not really pulled it together. And obviously last year, they were kind of counting on him to be mm-hmm. the number one, and he wasn't. Um, so if Jordan Bennington is injured, if Jordan Bennington doesn't play very well, I mean, the Blues aren't really going to have a good shot at contending for a Stanley Cup. Playoffs still, yeah, maybe, but yeah, uh, yeah Stanley Cup, no. Um, so, I mean, but safe to say, though, it's, it's a playoff team for sure. Absolutely. Um, they're just built for success. And it, it also... I mean, congrats. Congrats to them. Mm-hmm. Congrats to the fan base, a long-suffering fan base. You know, St. Louis obviously now only has two professional sports teams in the big four leagues. Um, so it's important. It's important to smaller markets like that to kind of um, to have something to rally around. Um, teams like them, teams like Buffalo, like they don't have a lot of other sports. So it's good for them. It's good for the fan base. Mm-hmm. Um, so we'll switch gears here to the Nashville Predators team that made the Stanley Cup Finals a few years ago, team that won the President's Trophy a few years ago. Um, biggest moves in the summer. Essentially, they bring in Matt Duchesne for P.K. Subban. Obviously not in that specific, in a, any specific deal. Um, they move Subban out to the Devils, the only team who basically could take his contract hit. And they bring in Matt Duchesne. Um, kind of been writing on the wall for a few years that you had to figure that Duchesne was going to go there. He owns a home there. He's very much <laughs> into country music, mm-hmm. into that country feel. So it's a natural marriage. Um, and just what do you think of their center depth now? I think they're very strong. I think this is one of the strongest teams in the National Hockey League going into this year, um, all the way down. But center depth-wise, yeah, I mean, you look down at Ryan Johansson, Matt Duchesne, Nick Bonino, and Colton Sissons. Yeah, and that you have, is strong. And you have Kyle Turris playing the wing. Exactly. Because, because he didn't work out at center. Um, I think they're definitely hoping that Turris works out in some way. If it's not in a center role, then on the wing, because they did tie up a bit of money to him. Um, they, of course, got Turris in the deal that got Ottawa to Shane um, when Nashville couldn't get him. But yeah, I mean, their forward group, Nashville's never been a team that's been known for scoring really well, but they have a really solid group, with, like we said, with the center depth, but obviously with wingers, you know, Mikhail Granlund, Victor Arvidsson, Philip Forsberg. Arvidsson's a guy, you know, last year before he had unfortunately suffered some injuries. I mean, he was a guy who was possibly going to contend for the Rocket Richard Trophy. I mean, Mm -hmm. this is a stud player that they have. So overall, their forward group is still really good. Do you really think that maybe taking P.K. Subban out affects the defense? Do you think, how how do you think that resonates with the D? They still have a very strong group. Um, The only hole on defense they have is their third pairing, Um, but... I mean, what? their top four defenders are still very strong. Yeah, I mean, they obviously believe in Dante Fabro. They believe that he's going to step into a second D-parent role, um, play really well for them. But yeah, and Subban was a great guy in the locker room. He was probably great for those guys to talk to, get some leadership advice. Great um, ambassador for the team yeah. in every way imaginable. Yeah, like he, he's a hell of a hockey player. He's a hell of a human being. Mm-hmm. Um, so it obviously is going to hurt them in a way. So we'll see kind of what they do with that if they just let that third pairing go. It's right now rated as the number 29th third-line D pairing in the National Hockey League right now. Yeah, I mean, you have Dan Hamuse down there, Steven Santini, who um, is looking to rebound after some tough times in New Jersey. Um, I mean, Roman Yossi is still a great hockey player. Ryan Ellis is still really good. Um, again, Dante Fabro, they're expecting him to step in and play really well with Matias Ekholm. Um I think Subban kind of got a bad 
rep after last year in Nashville because he didn't really have like a great year. But I mean, the year before that, people were talking about him being a Norris Trophy contender. And I think that kind of gets overlooked. Um, maybe his skating and his overall game isn't as dynamic as it was in Montreal, but I mean, he was still really good in Nashville. Mm-hmm. I think it just kind of gets, he gets written off now, now that right. he's gone. And I think that's that's kind of pointless. Um, I, I mean, not to spend too much time on someone who isn't on the Predators, but you know, I, I still think it's really good. Right. Um, I think that's also, I'm going to divert a little bit for a second. I think having Subban for the Devils, the player is good. I think having Subban for the Devils as a person and a personality is probably really good. Um, I mean, the Devils are a team that struggles for ticket sales. They're not a great team um, in terms of financial revenue coming in every year. Um, if you, I don't, I don't remember if you had to read this or not in college. Did you read the book Ice to the Eskimos? Yes. By John Spolstra? Yep. If you ever read that book, if you ever get a chance to read it, if you're into marketing or you just want a good read, um, he talks about the New Jersey Nets and how much trouble he had selling tickets and getting people to the games. It's a tough market being outside of New York. So I think Subban going there, the personality of it, is really good. Yeah, definitely. Um, he's going to be great for those guys like Jack Hughes and um, Taylor Hall. I mean, Hall, not as much as Hughes. Right. But just kind of helping out those young guys. Yeah, I, th- I think the personality aspect kind of gets overlooked. And I think it gets downplayed because Subban is kind of one of the only players that shows some personality. Um if you're looking for a good podcast, besides ours, of course, because we have the best, um, no, we don't. The, the 31 Thoughts podcast with Elliot Friedman and Jeff Merrick just interviewed Steve Mayer, who is the head content creator or in charge of content development for the NHL, and he kind of talked about Subban and um, like a lot, of, a lot of stuff similar to that and like kind of pushing the league to a new level as far as players reaching out and like touching new audiences and stuff. Um, so it's a really good listen if you want to listen in on that. But... Winding back now to the Predators, um, playoff team? Absolutely, and their goaltending is incredible. Yeah. Probably the best two goaltenders tandem in mm-hmm. the league. I think you're probably looking at Soros eventually taking the reins here in the next mm-hmm. few years. I don't yeah. think it's – I mean, it's safe to say it's not that far off, especially no. after Rene has struggled at times in the playoffs over the past few years. Um, but, I mean, it's, like you said, it's still very, very solid. Yeah, and this is a playoff team, and if goaltending stays strong, this is a team that can ride pretty, pretty deep into the playoffs. Are you ready to say that maybe it's getting close to Stanley Cup or bust for Nashville, especially after Duchesne comes in? Because, yeah. I mean, you think about it. They went to the finals they as the underdog, and then they come back the next year, they win the President's Trophy, and then last year they make the playoffs again, they lose to Dallas. So I think at some point it might be, it might be time to hold them accountable. This is similar to the Washington Capitals. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like it's like their very last year where they can like pretty, and this is definitely not the very last year where they're going to be competitive. Oh yeah, where for sure. it was kind of like for the Capitals, but the Capitals are always competitive. Um, but yeah, I'd say definitely Stanley Cup or bust for them this year, um, or maybe even next year. But yeah. definitely they need to get. They, they need. need to get I think deep. it's conference finals at least. If yeah. you're If you're in Nashville's shoes, like you have to make it deep into the playoffs. Yeah. If you're not winning the Stanley Cup. Um, so looking past Nashville to the team that ousted them from the playoffs last year, the Dallas Stars. Dallas has a big offseason once again. Um, they bring in Joe Pavelski, 40-goal scorer, San Jose Sharks captain. They bring in Corey Perry, bought out by the Anaheim Ducks, hoping he can rebound. And they bring in Andre Sekera on D. Um, I think for Dallas now, Dallas is a legit cup contender, especially after these moves. I mean, they were last year, but now they look really solid. Absolutely. And Pavelski, that 
addition is going to be great for them. It's going to turn out good. Kind of low risk, high reward, um, similar to the Pat Maroon. Um, but yeah, he's a guy with a lot of experience in the National Hockey League, a lot of goal scoring experience. He's and then Corey Perry, he's had his struggles of late, but he still has a lot of success in the league. So yeah, this is a great team. This is definitely a Stanley Cup contending team. Yeah, low risk, high reward deal for Corey Perry. I mean, basically, I mean, the offseason doesn't always work for teams. And, I mean, the Stars are a good example of that. A few years ago, they brought in Bishop, Hansel, and Mathot. And Mathot and Hansel barely played any games mm -hmm. for them. I mean, Bishop turned out to be a stud, but the other two not so much. So the addition of Pavelski, he's getting a little older. Um, they give him a lot of money for three years. But at the same time, you know, their window is, seems to be now. Um, their four group, with the addition of Pavelski, with the addition of Perry, looks really good. Uh, they're kind of hoping for more from Tyler Sagan. I think after Ken Hitchcock's tenure in Dallas, you have to look at Tyler Sagan as being a guy who could score 40 goals. I mean, Hitchcock worked wonders with Sagan. For Ben, I don't know. I don't know if we're going to get the Jamie Ben that we had a few years ago, the guy who was an all-star, the guy who was playing really well in all areas of the game. Mm -hmm. um, but overall, their forward group is really good. But I think the D is really where it gets good for Dallas. Oh, yeah. Mira Heiskanen is incredible. Yeah, Miro Heiskanen is I mean, he's going to be better probably than John Klingberg, and John mm -hmm. Klingberg has been an excellent defenseman for the Stars. And now you look at their group overall, you have Lindell, you have Klingberg, you have Steven Johns assuming he's healthy and can come back from the concussions that he's had, Heiskanen, and the overall, you know, the bottom defenseman that they have, Roman Polak, you know, obviously a guy who's older, a guy who's kind of a lightning rod to fans, but a guy who they bring in for experience. Jamie Alexiak is still there. Andre Sekera. I think I think the Sekera deal is also another one that could really turn out well for them, similar to Perry. Um, Sekera has struggled mightily with injuries. He played really well for the Oilers before he was hurt, mm -hmm. um, before he's dealt with the injuries for the past few years. But again, it's a guy who solidifies the bottom core, the bottom group of the core. Um, he doesn't have to play a lot of minutes, so I think that's really good for them. Yeah. And key for them is Ben Bishop. Yeah. Um, I mean, Bishop last year, I mean, you saw how good he was, especially mm -hmm. in the playoff. I mean, he almost single-handedly won the Stars Game 7 against the Blues. Yeah. If it wasn't for him, the Stars could have easily lost that game 7 or 8-1. to one. Um, They split Bishop and Hudobin last year in starts, um, and that worked out really well for them. Bishop was able to stay healthy. Hudobin played very well. Um, so overall, this is a really strong team. Do you think we see the, kind of the same thing next year? I do. Um, I think that you're talking about the goaltending, right? Right. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think the goaltending split, I mean, a lot of teams did that last year. The mm -hmm. Islanders did it. The Hurricanes did it. The Stars did it the best out of all of them, besides maybe the Bruins who did it really well. Um, I think they have to split it. I think it's important for goaltenders now to get more rest, especially with how much these guys get, how much teams have to ride on these guys going down mm -hmm. the stretch and into the playoffs. I mean, if you're going on a deep playoff run, you're playing 100-plus games in the year. So it's very important for these goaltenders to get rest. Um, I think it's a solid group. I think this is going to be a really good year for them. I think the important thing for the Stars as an organization is the Winter Classic against mm -hmm. Nashville. They get to host it. This is a team that has, again, another team that has struggled with finances a little bit. They need the ticket sales. And not only does the Winter Classic drive it up, but having, these, having a good team drives up sales. So this is a really good year for the Stars. Um, how long do you think their window is open, though, with their current group? I give them, like, three years or less. Yeah. I would say probably with the current forward group, 
probably until Joe Pavelski's contract runs out. Correct. I don't know if Jamie Benn is going to be the same player. Um, I mean, it's. I don't think it's fair of the ownership group to come out in the media and call him horseshit because I don't think that helps the situation. <laughs> yeah, that's <at> not good. <laughs> um, but you know, again, Tyler Sagan is just such a good player. I hope Jamie Benn finds his game again because when he does, he's one of the best players in the league. He's fantastic to watch. Yeah. Um, so overall, I think this team is really good. Um, but as we said, maybe the window isn't there for that long. So they have to consider that they have to win now. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not even just the newer guys. Um, you know, Ben Bishop's getting older. He's an injury-prone goaltender, so that doesn't help. Um, the defense, you know, they're pretty young. Klingberg is getting older, but he's not like he's not over. He's not in the bad area past the thirty line. He's right. before the thirty line, right. so he's good. Um, but yeah, I think the Stars are a really good team going next year. Um, do you think maybe they can contend for the Central Division title like they did a few years ago? I think they could. It, and that depends with how Nashville and St. Louis pan out. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't see St. Louis winning the Central. I, think I don't either. I think it's between Nashville and Dallas um, and Winnipeg. Yeah. I, it's just weird because like all the, like we say that these teams are probably the most legit cup contenders, but it's not easy to decide which of these teams is not only going to come out of the West, but which of these teams is going to win the division. Right. I mean, all these teams have a really good shot at doing it. Um, so who's your guess to come out on top? Well, my guess would probably be either the Stars or perhaps the last team in the division that we still have to talk about, the Colorado Avalanche. Um, the Avalanche, we haven't even talked about them yet. Um, they probably had a, they had one of the better off-seasons. They didn't even make a lot of moves, but the moves that they did make are very impactful. Um, the Avalanche, of course, the biggest move, sending Tyson Berry to the Leafs bring in Nazem Kadri, play that second-line role. I think that's huge for Colorado going forward. Yeah. This is one of the most fun teams to watch in the entire National Hockey League, especially with that top line. Like, mm-hmm. That, oh, that group's yeah. incredible, and they're so young. Yeah. I think, obviously, Miko Rantanen remains unsigned as an RFA, so that's troubling. Um, I think Rantanen is a guy, as a winger, who's probably going to hit 100 points in his career. You know, Rantanen is just such an interesting mix of a player. He's got... Great speed, he's got great ability, and he's a big player, too. Mm-hmm. He's a big man. Um, but yeah, as you said, their top line, I mean, Gabe Landeskog is the older guy on the line. He's not even that old either. No. Um, I think Colorado, probably out of all the teams in the league, especially in the Central Division, has the longest window to win a Stanley Cup with their current group. Absolutely. So they bring in Nazem Kadri, they bring in Andre Burakovsky. Um, they bring in Valerie Nachushkin as well, um, probably just as a depth role. They're hoping he turns out at something, but you can ask Stars fans if he's really going to turn out to anything. And Jonas Donskoy as well. So their forward group is a lot more balanced now, which is really good because they've had to ride that number one line, which has worked for them. Mm-hmm. I mean, that line has won them. They, that line got them close to the Western Conference final within a game. Um, so they're definitely a good team. I think Kadri's game really fits the Western Conference nicely. He's got that grit. He's got that right. bite. 30 goals, 30 assists a season. Um, but obviously they ship out Tyson Berry, but that doesn't look like it's going to be an issue, does it? No, no. Um, Kyle McCarr is a hell of a player. Yeah. I'm, I'm definitely interested to see how he pans out. Um, Maybe rookie of the year next year. Possibly. Could be. Um, and... The one thing that stands out for me is their goaltending. This is why I'm not putting them on winning the Central Division, not even in my top three, because I don't, I don't know how I feel about Grubauer, especially being a number one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, that's a, that's a fair statement for sure, especially when you consider how much him and Varlamov kind of split. I mean, Grubauer got hot and took the reins. Um, it'll be interesting to see how he does on his own. 
Because if they're going, you know, 60, 61, 21 with their backup, Pavel, I, I've never even heard of this guy before. before I have either. Pavel Francou, Francois. Oh, this is get this is bad, bad pronunciation game right here. Um, but yeah, I mean, they don't have that one A one B tandem. Mm-hmm. That and and this is another team that kind of rode two goaltenders at different times. Um, you know, Varlamov wasn't always great for them, but I mean, having him as a as a guy to push Grubauer is good. Um, competition is a good thing to have in the net. But as you said, the, you definitely have to have a little apprehension going in with Phil Grubauer. Um, I think their defense definitely helps them out. Sam Gerrard and Kale McCarr looked amazing in the playoffs last mm-hmm. year. Um, and they've gotten both of these guys just... It's amazing how many of these guys that they're, they're just able to bring in. They have Bowen Byram as well, waiting, mm-hmm. waiting to come in. Another stud young defenseman. Which is why I think they have a really long window. Absolutely. Um, even if they don't win the Stanley Cup this year, I mean, that's not even a failure in my eyes. I no, mean, even no. if the, even if it's an early exit, I still think this is a really good team, and it's just going to be some growing pains. Yeah, definitely a good young team that's going to be good for quite some time. All right, so overall Central Division, name your five. Who's going in? Five. Pretty easy. I oh see so see that that indicates of where my mind was going that five are gonna yeah. make it no I, I I do see five so Colorado mm-hmm. yes Nashville yes mm-hmm. Winnipeg yes Dallas yes St Louis yes yeah um, I don't the Pacific Division is just it's too weak yeah um, I mean we'll talk about that more next week but you have to figure the Central sending five yeah. again so what's your uh, five I the same five same. as you I, I I don't see I mean Chicago it's it's weird that I think. Chicago has a better chance of making it because, like, I feel like once the season starts, they're going to prove me very wrong because of their defense. Um, especially one other thing that we didn't touch on with Chicago is they send out Henry Yokiharu to Buffalo and they bring in Alex Nylander, which is just like a weird trade because you figured Yokiharu was probably their most NHL ready defensive prospect to come in and they send him out. So why would they do that? You know what I mean? Right. Like, there has to be. The team that owns your rights knows you better than anybody else. So obviously they must see something there. Um, with Alex Nylander, I mean they're probably hoping that he turns out like Dalton Strong. Yeah. Um, it, it's just it's a weird situation. I'm curious to see how that works out because where, when you're trading from an area of weakness already on the defense, it's just going to be weird. Um, but I guess to kind of come full circle with what I was saying, um, I think Chicago has a better chance if. If it came down to it and I was picking Chicago or Minnesota, I'd pick Chicago. I don't know if I believe in Minnesota as much. I, I'm on that same boat, yeah. Well, that about does it, I think, for our Central Division preview. Um, we'll turn tune in next week. We'll have the Pacific Division preview, kind of wrap up everything. Um, probably some more news by then, if this week's any indication of how things are going. Should be uh, a fun week, and we'll wrap up with the division that has the best player in hockey, question mark, Connor McDavid. We'll debate that next week. But uh, thank you for joining in on Healthy Scratches Hockey, the podcast. Be sure to like and subscribe, and we'll see you next week. Thank you all. Bye-bye.